Is society addicted to playing the victim, blaming everyone and everything for their problems or challenges? Though this may be the norm and may provide temporary relief from our life and its growing pains, but we can agree that it's rare to find someone humble enough to accept and take responsibility for their circumstances or courageous enough to take the initiative to do what's necessary. Join me today as we talk about victim mentality, what it is and how it manifests and what we can do about it as the perpetrators and as well as those on the receiving end. Now before we proceed with today's episode, a quick disclaimer. Today's topic is in no way meant to offend or humiliate anyone, but is meant to be informative and for entertainment purposes only. Our mission on this podcast is to start a conversation. Whether it is constructive or destructive is up to you as our listeners. However, we do acknowledge, as you should, that we are all entitled to our own opinions. We can agree on some points and we can disagree on others. That's not a problem. That's the beauty of mature conversations. Now that we have that out of the way, let's begin. Who is a victim? And what are the two ways in which people may manifest victim mentality? We can understand the definition of a victim in either the legal sense or the philosophical sense. We're going for philosophical. The philosophical definition of a victim is someone who's being taken advantage of by another or someone who's being exploited by another person. And as much as I'd like to go down that rabbit hole, I can't and I will not die in it. Now, um, what is victim mentality? A victim mentality is a personality trait in which a person tends to recognize or consider themselves to be a victim of negative actions of others or perceive such actions in a manner that is contrary to the evidence of the circumstances themselves. Now, mind you, we all fall into a victim mentality from time to time. Nobody, and I repeat this, nobody is a perfect human being. And if you ever meet someone who claims to be one, you have to be very cautious of such people. Narcissism is real, y'all. It is, however, very important to distinguish between truly victimized people or those who play the victim in order to manipulate or elicit guilt from Now, what are the two ways in which people manifest victim mentality? Number one, they may actually have experienced profound powerlessness that isn't intentional or malicious. This may be because of a trauma that they might have faced in their childhood. It may be because they have codependency tendencies that make them feel smaller than they actually are. Number two, They shift into the victim mode whenever someone questions their motives or behavior. Their victimhood is manufactured or situational. This victim playing is very destructive, not just to them, but to everybody. Now, what are the signs of victim mentality in a person? Number one, they avoid responsibility. In other words, they do not see themselves as people who have the strength or people who have the agency in and services. Something we talk about in this podcast. If you if you have been a listener for a very long time and you've listened to like our first episode, you would know 
that we talk about the importance of responsibility and accountability because these are two things that being responsible pushes you to be accountable for not only your actions, but how you observe things around you. You're responsible for your feelings. You're responsible for the people who come into your life. You're responsible for so many things. And you cannot play the victim when you're responsible for yourself. When you know that you are in control of a lot more things than you think. Number two, you place blame or make people with victim mentality love to shift the blame for things they might have done. It could be something very simple. For example, there could be a misunderstanding about something missing in a house. But you're the last person who saw that thing. However, you're going to shift the blame to somebody else because you don't want to take the responsibility of having to acknowledge that maybe you could have been the one who misplaced it. Now you create a misunderstanding. And because there's a misunderstanding, you start playing. Or if you do acknowledge that you, had, you made a mistake in a situation, apart from the one that I've just given right now, you start making excuses. Excessive excuses are oftentimes signs of someone who's not sure of what they're saying or someone who's not ready to take responsibility for their situations. Excuses do not solve problems. Number three, they usually are not looking for solutions. I've dealt with people with victim mentality before. Now, this is a chronic victim mentality, a personality trait, not something that you deal with from time to time as normal people would. This is like a proper personality trait. Blaming other people for situations in their lives that they could have actually been responsible for, but the initiative or responsibility to actually look for, for a solution for that issue. So they're not looking for solutions. They'll either be constantly complaining about the same issue. They'll say that over it, but then they still complain about the same issue. It shows a lack of responsibility or an, an inability to correct something or willingness to correct it. Complaining. They, they're drunk on that negative emotion of feeling like Um, a sense. This is something you always notice in people who have victimity. They feel powerless in almost every situation. That is the reason why they feel like victims. This is why they may not look for solutions. They and oftentimes those situations may not be something where they are powerless. Maybe they have a lot more power than they think they do have, but they just don't trust themselves in actually solving. Five, negative talk and self-sabotage. A lot of people with victim mentality have a lot of negative self-image towards themselves. Like I said, people who may fuss, people who don't want to look for solutions, they don't want to take responsibility, they may not be confident in themselves or their power as a person. So they, and that is usually... A result of negative self-talk or they don't love themselves people 
it is very important to practice self-love. You, you may not respect yourself. You may even undermine yourself. But I want you to remember this if you have listened to previous episodes where I talk about the inner critic. This could act, that episode could actually. What you think about yourself, the negative things about yourself, it may not actually be the way you see yourself. Maybe these are issues or perceptions that you have internalized over the years because of other people's perception of you. Remember, when you're a child, you tend to mirror your parents. So if they have a negative perception of you, whether it's your parents or people around you who are older, whatever negative perception they have about you, you might internalize it and think that that is who you are. That is not lack of confidence. We've mentioned this. It is linked to number four, which is a sense of powerlessness. Number seven, you feel frustrated with situations or people. You may feel anger and my personal favorite, resentment. Most people do not like the word resentment, but resentment usually signifies a sense of powerlessness in somebody or a sense of being taken advantage of. It is a serious issue and oftentimes sabotages people's relationships. We feel resentful angry or frustrated when certain don't go our way or when we feel that people are not doing certain things that we ourselves want. Number eight, they hold grudges and have trouble being assertive. That speaks for themselves. Number nine, they negatively compare themselves to others. If you have a comparison issue, there's an episode about that. Number 10, they think they are perfect. So sometimes a person may not be powerless. They may not have a sense of powerlessness, but they want to avoid responsibility and they want to place blame. Why? Because they think they are perfect. Number 11, critical and needs to put others down or dominate people. Like I've said, not every person who has a victim mentality has a woe is me way of doing things. Some are just very manipulative and possibly narcissistic people. People who just don't see themselves as responsible for anything or just feel entitled to certain things in life. That is just how life is, unfortunately, and that's how most people are out there. Number 12. They want sympathy and support. One of the underlying things about victim mentality is because they do not want to take responsibility, they may be trying to look for attention. And that attention is through sympathy. That attention may be through support. That attention may be by people validating certain things either way it is not healthy i mean guilt tripping that speaks for itself number 14 
They manipulate people to get what they want. In other words, people may use victim mentality as a means to get their needs met. So, um, yeah, like I said, not everybody who has victim mentality is a woe is me person. Maybe they could actually just be insidiously manipulated people. You just never know. Number 15, they always feel right or they always need to feel right. Pretty much just connected to the whole idea of they think they're perfect, but even people who have always me personalities may always want to feel right about certain situations or they just want their their um whatever they're feeling victimized about to be validated towards them and not the other person. Number 16, they judge others for not being compassionate enough. I've seen this myself um, because they want to get something, you know, because maybe most people with victim mentality are trying to have their their needs met. And when their needs are not met, they may judge others for not being compassionate enough to, you know, meet the needs of a person who's in need or a person who needs sympathy or support and most likely in situations that they themselves could solve or could have solved or avoided if they actually were more proactive about their decision making. Now, from all these symptoms or signs of victim mentality, what are the key beliefs that we can narrow down and understand? Number one, a victim mentality trait tends to make a person believe that bad things happen to them and will keep happening. So they're in a perpetual cycle of victimhood. They feel like bad things happen to me, this happens, that happens, things never work out the way I want them to, I try but things don't work out, now I just don't want to take responsibility. It's just... It's just a complicated thing. And I would understand this. Like I've said, we've all dealt with victim mentality before. But you have to understand that most people can deal with victim mentality for a certain period of time. It may be a once-off thing or maybe something that happens periodically. But there are people who actually live their lives like this. Number three, um, they tend to shift blame to other people always they shift blame to other people they do not see themselves as maybe contributing to a circumstance or situation um they're never at fault and let me say one thing sometimes the situations in our life we tend to see ourselves as a victim or things are happening to us But we tend to forget that sometimes we do contribute to the situations that are around us, be it in the form of an incident or misunderstanding or this or that. Sometimes we do contribute to the situations around us. And the best way we can learn from those situations is understanding and taking responsibility by sitting down and asking yourself, okay, this, this happened. What did I contribute to this? Take ownership of your role in that situation. 
and learn from it. You know, there's no shame in acknowledging a mistake or a part that you might have played in a misunderstanding or in a situation that left you in a bad position. For example, if you're driving while texting, yes, you got into an accident. Yes, someone rammed into you. But why were you texting while driving? You see that? Causation. Maybe if you had not been texting while driving, you would have noticed the other person. Okay? And maybe the other person was drunk. Just because they're in a bad they're in a worse position than you are legally, that does not mean that you're in a better position yourself. Always learn to take responsibility. It's not easy. It is not something that anybody is willing to swallow. But humility plays a very huge role in getting yourself out of victim mentality. Number three, any efforts to create change may be futile. Most people with victim mentality, like I said, are in a perpetual cycle of victimhood, meaning they do not learn from their circumstances or situations. Why? Because they do not oftentimes see themselves as contributing to the situation. Or even if they haven't contributed, they still haven't learned something out of it. Maybe they were a real victim from a certain situation. But instead of healing from that situation, they continue to relive that situation in their minds and keeping themselves the victim in a situation instead of removing themselves from that victim mindset and recognizing themselves as a person who's in control of their lives. It's not easy, but I have heard stories and read stories of people, women, men who have been on the receiving end of some very terrible situations, but they refuse to remain in a victim mindset. Now, what are the origins of victim mentality? Why do people manifest victim mentality? In as much as it is important to understand the symptoms or signs of victim mentality, we need to know why it exists. Number one, past trauma. A lot of the times, a lot of the issues that a lot of people face is because of their childhood. I've mentioned this in my episode about the inner critic. A lot of the times, the reasons why we feel a certain way is because of our childhood. Something might have happened during your childhood. Or maybe it may not be a childhood. It may be something that happened in your adulthood. Or maybe when you're a teenager. It could have been rape. It could have been um, sodomy if you're a guy. Uh, a guy. Um, it could have happened... Um, through um, abuse. I mean, there are just many things that could have happened. Or maybe neglect. You know, even simple neglect from parents could traumatize people. So they may actually be victims of a certain situation. This is why we were saying that it is important to distinguish between a person who really is a victim, right? A victim who may just have or continues to be in a cycle of victimhood and they're failing to get out of it. Or 
it could just be someone who just wants to get away with things. Number two, betrayal of trust or repeated betrayals. Um, betrayal of trust could also cause trauma in people, especially children. Like I said, most people, you never know. Like, listen, let's be honest here, okay? Between you and me, listeners, very few of us are aware or even know whether the person we talk to each and every day, our friend, whether close or distant or whatever it is, has ever dealt with abuse of any sort as children. A lot of people, okay, I've said this before, a lot of people keep it on the hush-hush, especially in families, when it comes to issues of child molestation, rape, defilement, these things actually happen on a day-to-day -day basis. Some things don't make it to the police. Some instances don't make it to the police. And this could happen to girls and boys. I've heard of boys being sodomized in boarding school. There was actually a case about it. I remember. I remember there was a case about it, about a certain young man who was, who was okay, you can't use the word rape because of the legal definition, but the right word would be sodomized by um, a prefect. It was a very sad situation. Um, it's a very sad situation, but I've read a lot of those cases. It could happen in boarding schools. That's why I personally, I don't know if I'm going to ever send my kids to a boarding school. Um, it could happen in boarding schools. It could happen at home. It can happen in churches. I have read so many cases about this. It's like, it's really depressing how little children, like we... We make these issues so small in Malawi sometimes, even in, in Southern Africa and Africa in itself. We make children being defiled sound so small, okay? And these men, yes, they'll serve a certain period of time, but most people will not know what they've done. Like, I seriously believe that we need to have sex offender registers in Africa. We really should. Because, like I've said, most men do these things because it's a, there's actually a culture behind it where men go after little girls, like minors, to sleep with them. There's an actual culture behind that. And we're not doing enough as people. We're not doing enough as a government. We're not doing enough to protect boys and girls because... I will not lie, I'll be just as protective over my son as I would be over my daughter. Because things are going on out there that we do not talk about. Boys do get defiled or raped, whatever we want to call it. They do get raped. You just don't know anything about it. And it's oftentimes by people within the family. Okay? Within the family. It happens. And as much as people want to argue and be like, nah, you know what? Um, If we legalize... Um, a certain lifestyle, these things will go away. They won't. They won't. You have to understand. Um, being gay or the lifestyle of being gay and the lifestyle of a sex offender are two different things. Okay? There's no discrimination when it comes to sexual offenders who go after minors. It's not about them being gay. It's just them wanting little kids. It's just that power they have over those children that gets them off, you know? 
that understanding that they can do whatever they want or whatever it is, it's, it's a very testy subject for me and pretty much every other person who I know. But let's move on before we go into, you know, a little rabbit hole and I don't want to die on that one. So <laughs> number three, codependency. Yeah, I, I think I should just have an episode on codependency because I feel like a lot of people do not understand codependency. And I, as a kid, or I, as growing up, I used to notice codependency, but I didn't really fully understand what it was. I could see the signs of codependency, and I could tell that it was not something that was healthy, nor was it something that should be encouraged on a long-term thing. That is something I think we should talk about, and... Yeah, probably in the next episode. We should talk about codependency. Number four, manipulation. Most people do it just for the sake of manipulation. Some people want their needs to be met by playing the victim. Maybe it's something they learned as a kid and it has grown with them as they're growing up. So they don't know how to properly communicate or... Um, express their needs to people to meet them and they find other means to get what they want for either they're looking for sympathy or they're looking for attention or they just like the idea of blaming others for situations that they have caused so it's it's just a the human condition is very complicated and fascinating at the same time but then at the same time, I have learned that it's important to learn the human condition so that you can have a peaceful life. Like I've said in all of, most of my podcasts, I have prioritized living a peaceful life. And a peaceful life begins with yourself. You have to make certain decisions and be active in those decision-making uh, makings <laughs> to um to facilitate that peace inner peace is very important you cannot have joy without inner peace okay you have to be happy in yourself happiness will not happen if you don't have inner peace the moment you start having that inner peace baby oh my goodness you will be legit happy and now in 2022 i can actually comfortably say compared to last year, that I have, I have reached another level of inner peace and my ability to just be happy in myself and content in myself. And that took a lot of growing and a lot of shadow work to get where I am right now. As simple and as straightforward as the concept or idea of what victim mentality is, it's a lot more complicated than that. Let me explain. By introducing Friedrich Nietzsche, a 19th century German philosopher whose book, A Genealogy of Morals, is a book which, in my opinion, is ahead of its time. And the human condition is not as nuanced as we like to think it is. In this book, Nietzsche predicted that once Western society would have found a replacement for God as a source of all moral conviction or values, we would lapse instead into a kind of ceaseless, petty, and purely circular and fault-finding society. 
He further stated that we, as in the Western society, would fall back into a fierce kind of egalitarianism in which we were constantly measuring against one another and despising each other through a social attitude known as slave morality and tied it to resentment to characterize what a society without God might look like. Today, we use the term victimhood culture, a social phenomena that has over the course of the past few decades been a problem. Now, what is the meat behind his book? Well, Nietzsche talks about how people use morality as a dog leash to control or manipulate others. Nietzsche further states that as a society, we believe that a victim needs justice, and rightly so. And that by giving them that justice, they could be repaid what they did. However, as we have stated before, we always need to distinguish between a genuine victim and someone who has a victim mentality. And what is that consent? Be it implied or expressed, consent tends to be the one thing that differentiates a genuine victim and a person who has a victim mentality. Let me explain. A genuine victim is a person who has been taken advantage of without their consent. Thus, is a person who may have not given their consent or was not in a position to give consent. For instance, a person who is a minor cannot give consent. That's why defilement is a problem. That's why, that's why um, molestation is a problem because a child does not truly understand the conversation or the expectation of another person because they're children. They're not mature enough to understand what is going on. Another issue could be intoxication, or maybe they might have a mental disability of some sort. So consent is very important. That's why we talk about knowing who a true victim is. Now, hold on on that one. What, is, what, what about a person who has victim mentality? This is where it gets me. A person with victim mentality may give legitimate consent, whether expressed or implied, but claim. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we all are, we have all played a victim mentality role at some point where we give consent to something, be it expressed or implied to a situation, and then we pretend like we never gave it. Or we claim that another person gave us consent, even though they never gave us that consent. This is very popular in, all right? This is very popular in romantic relationships, even platonic relationships. Simple issues could end up becoming, could end up blowing up because of the issue of consent, especially with people who have victim mentality. For instance, I could choose to help somebody with something. My problem could be I never got consent to get to give them that help. Okay? For example, I'll say to myself or to other people, I'm helping so so and so by taking their car to go and pick up something that they themselves did not give consent to or maybe not, not may not be aware of. What I may not know 
is that maybe that car does not belong to that person. In my mind, I think it belongs to them. What I think could be help to them may me be may me being inconsiderate of the fact that I do not know the facts behind that car. So I'll take that car, go do whatever I want to do, because in all honesty, maybe I'm not going to pick up something for that person. I'm just using them as an excuse to cross a boundary with somebody. Now I come back and I say, no, you gave me consent. Consent was never given. I just assumed that consent had been given. And a lot of times we do this. Sometimes we can play victim even in the most simplest of situations. For example, maybe I, someone comes to me and tells me they want to do something for me, okay? And maybe because I'm failing to communicate by simply saying no, they do it anyways, and then I start playing the victim. The person who did it is not in the wrong. Both of you are in the wrong because you did not communicate your no. You know, the Bible says it, it's very important to let your no be a no. Boundaries are very important. And as we have said in the signs of mental, of, I mean, of victim mentality is, is that we don't have boundaries. A lot of people with victim mentality do not have boundaries. And they end up feeling taken advantage of, not because that person is literally trying to take advantage of them, but maybe because they're failing to say, I'm uncomfortable with something. It's a very serious issue that a lot of us do not talk about. Let me give a good example. One of my friends and I know this person. We, we, were, we used to know this person mutually. Funny story about this person. Um... That person would tend to either invite us to her house, you know, very bubbly, welcoming person. And she would treat us to a meal, stuff like that, and will help her around. But it started getting uncomfortable when she started making allegations that we were taking advantage of her. Now, mind you, she invited us to her house allowed us to eat her food, and we even helped her cleaning up. Somehow, all these things that she has consented to, we are the reason behind it, or we are the perpetrators, or we are the ones taking advantage of her. Why? Because she felt a certain way about a certain incident that happened prior we, we, before we even went there. So she probably felt slighted about something, and the, the issue was even a very small issue, something that none of us even understood. And we're like, but what did we do? You invited us. We didn't force ourselves into your house. And to this day, we laugh about it because we're just like, this person has a very deep victim mentality thing. And it's just really off-putting when people do things or say things and then overreact about issues that are beyond other people's control, it just doesn't make any sense, like honestly. And, you know, I, this is why I say it's very important 
to not do things you don't want to do. Okay? Don't entertain people you don't like. If you have a problem with that person, don't try to be nice and invite them into your house. Like, you're not gaining any points from that. It doesn't make any sense. If you have an issue with someone, let them know right then and there. Now, this is the kind of person who could do anything, anything would set her off, anything. And the both of us, me and my friend, are just like, you know what? This is not for us. This is not for us. I think people who are around her actually do use her. They actually do use her. And my friend is actually someone who was friends with her longer than I was, you know? And she would always complain about my friend, always. And it will be complaining about things that have nothing to do with her. She just wants to step on her, you know? Just make herself look better than my friend. And I'll just look at this and I'm like, okay, I see what you're talking about, but how does that have anything to do with you? Let, your, let, let her do whatever she wants to do or whatever she feels she wants to do. She's an adult and you're also an adult, but why are you tearing her apart? What, what does she have that you want? You get what I'm trying to say? It just doesn't make sense. Like this is a very nice girl. She's a very, very nice girl. And yes, we all have our faults, but she's a very nice girl. She's very respectful. What I didn't understand was why she was treating her like that. And, and she still complains about other people. So you should know, Kuti, most people with victim mentality, it's just a chronical thing. It's just who they are. And you could either stick around and deal with it if you're that kind of person or you could be like me and my friend, and we just stepped out of it. We just distanced ourselves because we're like, nah, this is just too much for some of us. <laughs> Life is too short to be battling with things that you don't need to battle. Either way, another fascinating thing that I found out about was the fact that most people with victim mentality have two ways in which they try to get things the way they want it. Number one, the obligation or guilt tripping. Very classic, very simple. Make somebody feel like they're obligated to something. Make somebody feel like they're, they're, they're guilty for not doing something and get what you want. Like I've said before, most people with victim mentality use it as a means to get what they want without actually having to communicate with the people that this is what I want. It's a form of manipulation. Another example would simply be like we've talked about in uh, entitlement. You can help somebody with something and then you get upset because they didn't give you something back. Now, mind you, they did not consent to giving you something back but there is a transaction between the two of you, an unspoken transaction, where you're saying, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. In other words, I'm going to go out of my way to do something for you. And you're either going to praise me, love me, need me, exalt me, or give me back what I want whenever I feel like it, right? And I've said this a number of times, that as people, sometimes we don't notice when we are taking part in a transaction that we don't know of. 
a transaction that doesn't exist. That's why most people who have victim mentality, when they do stuff or they say stuff or they, they, they go out of their way for certain things for other people, you know, majority of the times people pleasers tend to be victim, tend to have a victim mentality. People pleasers tend to have a victim mentality. And at the end of the day, they get resentful when they don't get back whatever they put out. Let me say this first of all. Don't do something that you have not clearly communicated to the other person that you are expecting a result from what you're doing or you're expecting something to come out of what you're doing. If you want something out of what you're doing, let them know. Okay? Silent transactions or contracts that you're making between people, be it consciously or unconsciously, will disturb and destroy relationships. Learn to communicate properly, all right? It's very important. Nobody knows what's going on in your head. And sometimes most people don't know what's going on in their heads too. That's a very red flag. Now, um, people with victim mentality use obligation or guilt to control people. Like the way Nisha says that sometimes people use morals to leash people into doing what they want. They may claim that you consented to something you did not consent to. And they may impose an obligation of debt to you that you did not consent to, like the example that I gave before. Number two, the pity and disgust route. This is oftentimes used to manipulate or coerce somebody into doing something they want. All right. In this situation, a person with victim mentality may claim that they did not give you legitimate consent when they did so. So they're doing this to gain pity and to, and to rouse up resentment in other people towards you or disgust in other people towards you. It's a, it's a form of manipulation. I've been on the other end of this. I have seen this happen before. I know people who like playing victim, they like playing the victimhood thing. And majority of the times, it just makes me, I just distance myself from such people. Okay, it's very important to know when things are not okay. Number two on the pity and disgust issue, that pity gives them a rescuer. You know, majority of the times people with victim mentality don't want to get their hands dirty, but they want somebody else to come in to play the rescuer or the knight in shining armor and be like, oh no, I'm, I'm going to do this thing for you. I'm, let me go and handle this situation that you have with this person because obviously they don't get you. They, that's not the issue. That's not the issue. There may be more to the situation than you actually understand. So this rescuer will go into the situation thinking that you have either um, taken advantage of them or exploited them or were not being kind to them when in fact you, the other person, the person the, with, the, with the victim mentality is the one in the wrong, not aware of what's going on. Another point of the pity and disgust thing, in so doing this, they are manipulating the other person to give them while giving the other person disgust towards you 
or rousing up resentment. Now, I have seen this happen before. I have seen this happen before. I have been on the receiving end of this, okay? So, like, another point would be that that disgust or that resentment that is stirred up in those people will be used against you to pressure you to submit to their expectation or demands. In other words, you become the scapegoat in the situation. You know, you're the scapegoat. And her rescuers are like the golden child in this situation. You know, the one who's doing everything right. I'm going to do everything right that this person is failing to do for you. Because why? Because you are being taken advantage of. I will help you and I will save you. You know, like a mommy's little helper kind of situation. And the person on the other end, who's mostly either unaware or is aware, turns into a scapegoat. You know? They'll, be, they'll find other people to pressure you, to coerce you, to push you into a corner to do what they want. And like I said, any healthy relationship, listen, I have had people, <laughs> I've had people lecture me about how to have healthy relationships. And yet they're the ones on the other end with very complicated, messy relationships. I don't take advice from people who don't follow their own advice. Okay? So you can't be telling people, be kind, be nice, um, learn to communicate, and yet you're failing to do the same thing. It's really, really hard for people to respect you when you don't take your own advice. It's really, really hard. Because people be like, okay, we hear you, but... What are you doing? Like, what are you doing yourself? What do you want us to see if you yourself are failing to do this in your own personal life? You know, facts. Facts are what discredit you. So this is what we're talking about. Victim mentality oftentimes has a hidden expectation or covert contracts and they will find ways to either punish you coerce you or manipulate you into doing whatever they want this also includes this by the way well like we've already discussed already uh, people with victim mentality is on a spectrum that those who are harmless or who are who tend to be harmless and then there are those who are a bit more aggressive all right. And the thing that makes them, that links them together is the fact that at the, always, 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 at the center of it all is the covert contract. Expe a lot of the times it's expectations. Or it could just be a contract where they expect something. In other words, yeah, it's Now, as I've said before, this episode is not meant to humiliate or embarrass anyone. However, I do use my experiences so that we can understand a situation, all right? So if the shoe fits for whoever's listening, that's not really my problem. Um, I want the, my listeners to understand what we're talking about and where I'm coming from and how my situation could be a situation that they're dealing with themselves. Now, for those of you who are dealing with victim mentality, I don't hold
hold anything against you, especially those of you who are on the nicer side. But those of you who are aggressive, I stay clear for most of y'all. Okay, I stay clear for most of y'all. Now, what are the ways to escape victim mentality? Number one, know your value. Okay? If you don't know your value, you just let anything happen around you. A lot of the times, it's an issue of low self-esteem. People with low self-esteem do not have their own value. They do not know their own value. Number two, stop being. Sometimes we are defensive over shit that we do because we don't want to acknowledge responsibility. Stop validating your ma- and stop making excuses for things that you know could be harmful or hurtful towards others. Number three, build your confidence. Low self-esteem oftentimes means low confidence. A person without confidence is a person who's pretty much going to do anything. And I don't mean it in a good way, I mean it in a good way. Four, focus on what you have instead of what you don't have. It's important. Being content with what you have will help you avoid comparing yourself to other people. Number five. Practice gratitude. Sometimes the reason why we feel like we're being exploited is because, like we said, you compare yourself to other people and you're just not content with what you have. Practice gratitude and understand that maybe, maybe you have everything. Six, know what you can and cannot control. Most people who use victim mentality as a means to manipulate or control people are people who are not in control of their own lives. So they try to micromanage their surroundings, including people, to get what they want. And sometimes we can be controlling and not know that we're being controlling. Sometimes we are controlling people by acting the victim. Get what I'm saying? People who have victim mentality pretend to be victims or maybe are just in that mentality of victimhood because they are trying to control their surroundings. They know the only way I can get what I want is to play the victim. And by playing the victim, you are in control of what you cannot control. And oftentimes when you do stuff like that, it does cause problems in their relationships around you, or at least the relationships around you that are healthy. People who are unhealthy, and we're talking about emotionally unhealthy, will not recognize when they're being controlled at all, at all. Number seven, don't rely on external validation or praise from others to feel good about yourself. This is something I learned. I think it was around 2015 to 2016. I noticed that I had developed a need for external validation. And it wasn't because I wanted it, but because I was being told by my mother that people's opinions mattered. And this was like in a church setting. So pretty much everything that I did in my life within that period of time, it was just what people said. 
So whenever my mom felt upset about something, because my mom really cares about image, by the way, it would disturb her and she would tell me to come and correct it. Because, you know, her happiness depended on me doing what she wanted. So I realized one day when I was finally going to go and when I finally decided to pursue my degree, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of living for people. I'm tired of living for people. I'm tired of say, hearing people telling me, good job, excellent job, stuff like that. I was tired because I wasn't happy. Me even applying for my degree, I did it myself. Because I realized that I was going to be at home for a very long time. And nobody would be bothered with the fact that I didn't have a degree. So I had to push that for my... Number, the last one, the last one. Number eight, set goals and boundaries. What are your goals in life? What are, what are your boundaries? We've talked about this in our previous episode about boundaries. Boundaries are very important, people. Boundaries are very important, y'all. If you don't have boundaries or you're finding it hard to have boundaries or you're finding it hard to maintain and enforce your boundaries, you are bound to have victim mentality. You are bound to have victim mentality. Because what could be your no on the inside will turn into a yes. And people will take advantage of you, be it knowingly or unknowingly. They'll just do whatever they want. And you'll just be standing there like a prop piece in their drama. Take control of your life. Saying no is not a bad thing. Now, to the other side of the of the situation. We've talked about what to do if you have victim mentality. Now we're going to discuss how you can deal with someone with victim mentality. I'll tell you what I was doing when I was dealing with, with, with my friend. And plus, she's not the only person who I've ever met with victim mentality. I have people in my family who have that mentality. And I'm talking about chronicle. Not just once in a while, no, this is chronicle, real chronicle victim mentality. Let me explain. Number one, don't get emotionally involved. Okay? A lot of the times, people with victim mentality surround themselves with drama. They're always in the middle of drama, some sort of drama, and oftentimes they're the ones contributing to it. What I can advise is listen empathetically. Give advice when you can give advice, but don't give advice if they're not asking for it. That is very important. Don't give advice to people if they're not asking for it. Just be neutral. Don't take sides. Because the moment you start taking sides, you're encouraging them. All right? This is a mentality. And it's worse when you start encouraging them and then you start taking sides. Oh, no, you are the one who's right. Oh, no, just be neutral. If they're asking for your advice, give them neutral advice. Number two, don't be a savior. All right? There's only one Messiah on this planet, and his name is Jesus. You don't need to be nobody's Messiah. All right? Like I said, most people with victim mentality have drama going on all the time. Somehow, there's always drama starting up. Somehow. Even a simple thing. Don't fix their situation. 
Like we said before, most people with victim mentality want a rescuer. They want a fixer. Don't fix their situation. Because a lot of the times, it's either they're looking for attention, they're looking for validation. Don't give in. Okay, unless it's a very serious situation, then give, then help them out. But then if it's not serious, it's just an issue where maybe talking could have been resolved and stuff like that, don't get involved. Don't get involved. And, and set internal and external boundaries. Just set, set boundaries. Set boundaries with yourself that this is as far as I'm going to go to help with this person. And external boundaries where you just tell them, okay, this is what I'm going to do for you. This is all I'm going to do for you. The rest is up to you. Sometimes, you know, like I said, most drama can be sorted out just by talking. Number three, change the topic. Like... You need to know when someone just wants to be heard. You know, they're just venting just because they want to be heard. Some are actually looking for you to solve their problems, but there's some who just venting because they allow a certain situation to live rent-free in their heads. So it's constantly going on and on and on and on, and it's really, it's really terrible. Number four, avoid direct accusations or name-calling. It's not nice to name call people. Just recognize what the situation is and do what needs to be done. Number five, create distance. If it's taking an emotional or mental toll on you, create distance, you know? And I'm gonna say this. Most of the time, I'm gonna say this again. Most people with victim mentality, they're not very bad people, but what they're doing, if they don't want to fix it, can actually harm you. There are some certain situations where you have to pick yourself first. They may not like it. They, they may feel slighted by what you're doing. But if something is affecting you, I'm sorry, but you have to make the right decisions for yourself. Number six, let go of the relationship. If it's going too far, let go. Just let go. I know this is hard for a lot of you out there. Maybe you have invested a lot of time and effort in that friendship. But if it's not good for you, let it go. I know I had to let go one because there was just too much drama going on. And although victim mentality may offer immediate and tangible rewards... There is a long-term damage to your relationships, even your mental well-being and quality in life. Your life will always remain the same if you don't do something about it. When you're innocent and everyone else is to blame for whatever's going on in your life, or you're always right and everybody else is wrong, you're not only just giving up your accountability, you're giving up your power. Like the Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung says, people will do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing their own souls. For now, this is goodbye. Until the next one. Love what you heard on this week's episode? Well, the answer is simple. Give us a like, ask us a question, or heck, give us a suggestion on this platform and all social media links down below. 